When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello everyone and welcome to a What A Night part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. On the show today, Hunter Godson, Jude Sunfield, Dan Kilpatrick. Good weekends all around guys, everyone alright? Fed up with the, the weather. Coast. Yeah. I went down to the south coast and got battered by 60, 60 mile per hour winds with Jude. Not with Jude. That's your, you know. Yeah, well, that's your punishment <laughs> for leaving it in the first place, mate, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Always will get you back. Um, it, the the weather has been disgusting. Same for you, Dan. Were you up in Leicester? I was up in Leicester, and yeah, it was torrential rain coming back. And I was I was close to a kind of weather related break. I was like, this is just awful. When it's <laughs> up again, oh, I, I can't deal with this. I'm fed up. Yeah, uh, seething at my steering wheel. But it was a good game, at least. A good, yeah, a good game. Off the birds, wasn't it? Very fun game. If you yeah, I think if you park Europa Conference for a second and you just take it for what it was, it was fun, right? It, we can all say it was fun. Yeah, at first half wasn't. First half was like, oh, what is the system? What are we doing? Why have we given away another cheap penalty? It was, oh, it was very much just like, our and another season. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very much like, oh, that's us. This is very reminiscent of everything we've done this season, including Harry Kane's goals just before half time, right? Yeah. 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 Including fantastic finish from our, our talisman. Um, but but yeah, fun. Set Leicester and Tottenham put up fun last day of the season fixtures. That's our new tagline. We always <laughs> have like big... they always play on the last day, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely been a few. And always like big, like they're real open ding dongs, aren't they? Mm. Or at least towards the back end of the season. So we're going to run through the game. We're going to run through the Harry situation. We'll talk through Gareth Bale's situation, the manager coming in, who stays and who goes. So lots for us to get into. Um, but let's start with the good bits. And I suppose we've got to start with with Gareth Bale. Who Dan, am I right in saying, is now back in Madrid? believe so, yeah. I think he went back straight after the game last night. Because his that... family, I think, has stayed in Madrid. Yeah. Right. yeah. He's got two or three kids and obviously a, a wife. And I think they've stayed there. So, yeah, as far as I know, he flew back straight after the game. I guess he has a private jet or something or his agency does. And, and he's there now. Um, and then he'll, he'll spend a bit of time there and then go after the Euros. Yeah, but I mean, the, I believe across the board, this isn't anything out of the ordinary. I think literally everyone straight after was freed up to go and do whatever they, they wanted to do. Yeah, I think so. And I, I know I know a couple of other players who are already on holiday as well. Um, so I don't think it's that unusual. But obviously, you know, Beth I dropped that bombshell by saying he would unleash chaos if he said <laughs> what he was going to do after Euros, which I thought was quite dramatic. Um and yeah, I wrote a piece on on his future today. I mean, my understanding is that Spurs don't have any kind of option to that they can just automatically trigger to, to get him back for the final year of his Madrid contract on loan or, or buy him outright. I mean, I know that other people of really credible sources have said differently, but that's just what I've I've been told on it. Um, so I think who knows really? I mean, if he has made his decision, then you'd think it wouldn't be that chaotic to say I'd quite like to come back to Spurs. Uh, I don't think he's going to retire, though. I've seen that mooted and I don't know that for sure. It's really hard to imagine him wanting to go back to Madrid. I've just read an 
interview with him in the Sunday Times mag- in the Times magazine, sorry, actually today on Monday, where he, he he talks about Madrid and kind of has a dig at the media and has a dig at the club and he's he's talking very much in the past tense. So yeah, I mean your your guess is as good as mine really as to what's gonna happen there. Right, slight break in proceedings. You'll be delighted to hear that once again we're a sponsored podcast. I know, this ragtag bunch having a sponsor, mental, but this podcast is now brought to you by Manscaped.com, or brought to you again by Manscaped.com. We've been very fortunate to have been sponsored by them in the past as well. And I suppose, being the bastions of sartorial elegance and male grooming that we are, it kind of makes sense that Manscaped have come to us as the place to advertise their trimmers for scaping the areas around your prized assets. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code 19min20 at Manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Well, either way, if it was his, I mean, we have no idea whether it was his last performance in a Spurs shirt, but it was great to watch, wasn't it? Getting his cameo like he did and, and coming on and affecting the game, Jude. Yeah, um, I think we sort of dug out Ryan Mason for his substitutions or, um, you know, sort of standing still on the touchline a little bit, but the changes he made after what, like 70 minutes were pretty spot on. Um, you could sort of see Leicester wilting a little bit and they were sort of getting to the edge of Tottenham's box, but not really doing much. Um, and then, yeah, it was a total ding dong. Um, there was so much space and just getting Lucas and, and Bale on just really exploit that, exploit that space um, just worked perfectly. And uh his his final goal was just I just found it was just hilarious like the defensive mix up and then he just he just walked through the middle didn't he <laughs> like it was it was it was just like the sea parted in front of him and he was just like yeah I'm just gonna play a one two with the post and and uh, yeah stick it away it was, I enjoyed it, was a it. Great it was little so- cameo. I quite enjoyed it. It was Soyuncu that he drifted past as well. Not that I, I should have no reason to have anything against Soyuncu, but he just sort of he got into a couple of skirmishes, didn't he, with our with our players? I thought, yeah, again, yeah, very good player, very good. With those skirmishes you're talking about, Ben, is where he absolutely dominated Tottenham players and won every 50-50. They weren't fifty-fifty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steve, Steve, Stevie Bergwijn was like, oh, "I'm going on holiday." Probably Could you prob- not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Steve Bergwijn's thinking, "I'm going to the Euros," and he, he's in yeah. the squad, isn't he? Um, but I think that even that last goal, that final goal, it got to give credit to Harry Kane because it's just clever centre back play, knowing that if he drifts nice and wide, the centre back has to cover him and just creates albeit literally passing like the Red Sea, the Leicester defence <laughs> did have to make it a make a decision and Tielemann's legs weren't getting there. And he made it look very, very, very easy. But this so I saw someone say after the game that Gareth Bale, we know he doesn't have that that searing pace anymore, although he does still have pace. He's still quick. Um but the confidence that he has when the ball's at his feet is something that not many Spurs players have. And and when he comes on, you can see People around him feel more confident on the ball as well. And I, I thought it's so worthwhile having this guy in the squad, even, even, if, he, even if he can only do 20 half an hour at the end of games. He's, I just think he's so worthwhile having in the squad. And then his sort of, even if it's a parting gift, his last interview yesterday sort of going, I think Harry Kane should stay. Anyway, I'm off to Spain. Have a nice, have a nice summer. <laughs> That's a good crack, that, wasn't it? Mm. Really good. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree with you, mate. I think that um, just that quality on the ball, there's been so many times over the course of the last couple of seasons where we've looked and gone, oh, there's Sonny, there's Harry Kane, you trust either them in front of goal. And it's always the third player that you think if a chance falls to them, it's 50-50 whether they take it or not. Mm. And with Gareth Bale, I just don't, even though he missed the one that he hit the post, when that ball was rolled back to him on the edge of the box by Harry Kane, you thought he's just going to thump this in. Yeah. It's assuredness on the left foot, isn't it? It's that, that complete confidence. He doesn't have to take a touch. He doesn't have to think about it. He just head over the ball, straight through the ball. That, I mean, that finish where he guides it through five or six, he does everything because you keep it low and you know, even if you get a ricochet of legs, you might get lucky. You don't bl- you don't blaze it and hope that it goes in. Um, yeah, and uh, I think it's probably gone slightly under the radar that Sonny looks absolutely shattered and hasn't hasn't been nearly at his best in the last few few arguably months now 
but the last two months of the season, he's just he's looked slightly off it. And Gareth Bell's really, really helped supplement Kane with important goals when when we've needed them. And yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think there'd be many Spurs fans out there saying I don't want him back for another season. Well, just to just to kind of like get a little bit more into the weeds on the, the, the Gareth Bell stuff. I think if you look at his stats and someone had said to you at the beginning of the season, that's what he'll bring. I think the vast, vast majority of Spurs fans would have taken that, right? I think if you work out the prices of what goals cost in the Premier League as well, like uh, he's definitely been worth the investment that Spurs have put into it. I don't know. Was it 11 goals in 20 appearances? Yeah, yeah, 11. Um, I mean, 10 starts. 10 starts. So... Really, that's a that's a very very impressive return. Albeit his goals came against slightly lesser oppositions than than what he's he's known for. Uh, that's just a very impressive return for any well, player. I think Opta put out a stat this morning saying of players to score ten or more goals in a Premier League season, only Solskjaer has a better minutes to goals ratio than Bale. Wow. And Bale scored one every eighty four minutes and Solskjaer scored one every seventy nine or something. So that it's no, it's nearly the you know, it's very close to being the best ever kind of consistent return of anyone in the Premier League for in, in a single season, which you're right, he has kind of filled his boots against, you know, Sheffield United and, and the tired Leicester and, and many others, but still There'll be those games. There'll always be those games. There'll be those games next year. Yeah. Um, so he definitely feels like a player uh, that that was underused, and and it would be really interesting to have him back. You know, not least because I think he hasn't played a single game, um, or he hasn't started a single league game in front of fans. Mm. He didn't play in the Arsenal one where there were two thousand at all because Mourinho didn't use him, and he was a sub. Uh, in a villa on, on Wednesday night when the game was was kind of had long since sort of passed everyone by by the time he came on. So for that alone, it would be nice to to see him back. But you know that's obviously up in the air. It's it's funny because the criticism was quite loud of Bale until about I don't know six weeks ago when people realised that he he actually put up some quite decent numbers and then he continued to con- put up quite decent numbers and all of a sudden everyone's like oh you know Bell's actually quite good and he's probably going to go and have a very good Euros and and it should also be said that it's you know it's very well us saying they are a bit of a flat track bully but we have plenty of other substitutes who come on and never score never score goals so mm. incredibly worthwhile him being at the club experience I mean I, I often think that experience is quite overrated but I think just having him to appease other players and to as a like a selling point to bring in other players I think is really important for Tottenham and he seems to get it I just want to say that as well he does seem to actually genuinely like Tottenham (laughs) (laughs) he used the old um we want him to stay here and like oh yeah it was a good performance by us and yeah we're doing really well and Mm. and there's like little post-match interviews he kept saying us which is always like a massive uh fan pleaser isn't it Mm. he was just like a massive scapegoat earlier in the season though wasn't he just because it was like big wages like he's only coming on in the last 10 and he's not doing anything it's just like well it's a bit more of a systemic issue here lads (laughs) yeah and everyone Uh, heard that jose didn't want him or didn't oh jose didn't mm. even want him it's like Okay, but it's Gareth Bale, guys. He's not just, <laughs> he's, it's not like he's been given like uh, like Robert Huth. I didn't want him. It's Gareth Bale. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, a, I have a good friend who is very, very anti-Bale coming back. Mm. He really doesn't think it's a good idea. He's sort of quite negative whenever we play Gareth Bale. And I suppose his argument would be that the wages are so high that it... it is actually taking away money that could be used on on another younger, more exciting talent for the future. Is there any validity in that? No, no, <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as I'm aware, Bale isn't the top earner or, or even close. I, I think, from what I'm told, the the contribution Spurs make to his salary starts with a one. So, you know, it's somewhere, let's say, north of 150,000 a week. And considering that Kane is on 200,000 a week, I think, you know, including sort of bonuses and there's no transfer fee involved. I think as, as Hunter suggested, you know, the, the money you're, you're spending kind of per goal 
Um, even this season, I think, has made him worth it. And, you know, if there was an option to get him back next year, it's, it's not as if, you know, however that, however that would work, I don't think it would be Spurs paying Real Madrid a big transfer fee. You know, it would potentially be another loan or, you know, you, you'd work out a short-term deal somehow, I, I, I guess. So I, I don't think that argument really stands up. Um, and then the other the other kind of great thing that's been widely reported is that sort of deal Levy did to, to not start paying him until he was fit as well, which I thought was very clever. So Spurs effectively got the sort of first month free. Um, so I think overall it's, it's been a fairly good value deal for Spurs, even though Mourinho ignored him for, for you know, long periods of the season. Let's go on to uh, the bad bits. So unfortunately, again, the thing that we have to pick out is is the defence. And I mean, it, in so many ways, this this game reflected so many things that have been the case throughout the course of the season or have been good metaphors. Another metaphorical one, Hunter, uh, from, from us, is, as, as if last week wasn't enough. We've had a few of them recently, to be fair. Um, what did you make of the defence across the board yesterday? It was, a, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because clearly Davinson Sanchez brought in to deal with Vardy's, Vardy's pace and Ianacho's pace, to be honest. And and I want to say I think he played all right, but you just can't when the first the first goal comes from him reading the ball really badly, doing that big curving run. And then Alderweireld, that's that's terrible defending. You don't just stick your leg out behind and hope for the best. That's 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 not Premier League defending. And he knows that. He knows that. that felt very last day of the season. Let's get out of here, lads. Defending, um, but that comes from Sanchez not dealing with the ball that he should be dealing with. And then the second the second penalty, I I'm going to say I don't think that's a penalty. I I don't think it's a penalty. I think Vardy buys it, and you've seen them given, but. It was one where was it a clear and obvious was it a clear and obvious foul? I don't think so. He sort of grabs his arm from behind, makes it look like he's he's pulled his arm, and it's very clever from Vardy. And, and there you go, wins the penalty. Uh, away from that, Oliver um, was fine. Regulon had another really shaky performance in possession. It, it's starting to become maybe a little bit of a worry. I saw someone say he looks a little bit like Carl Walker in his first season, and that he's got a lot of pace. Very raw ability, but those those hospital passes are going to put Spurs under pressure a lot of the time because teams know they can press him and win the ball back. Um, and the, the first half was just more of the same that we saw against Villa. And I felt like if Leicester had a little bit more in the engine and they pressed our central midfield pair a little bit higher, they could have been two or three up before the half time. And that's really where I think they 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 lost the game because in the second half they looked knackered. Um, but defensively, I'm going to say this: it's in the bad. But I think Doherty had probably his, his one of his best game for Spurs. Was very, very um, comfortable in possession. Did really well on the ball, and then defended very well where he could. What Leicester tried to do, play too up and exploit when the fullbacks went forward. But I think he covered his pace very well and actually had quite a good game. Yeah, I, I agree, agree with Hunter. I thought Doherty looked sharp, and that was. A nice note to end the season on for him because you you, you know you, you think Aurier is almost certainly going to go this summer um, and Spurs probably won't sell both right backs. I would be surprised if they did. So you know one way or another, the new manager is going to have to get a tune out of Doherty, I imagine. So um, yeah, that that was a good note to end on for him. Um, yeah, you know, I've just realised as we're talking about this that I didn't have a monitor at the game and I, I didn't haven't seen replays of anything really, so I'm <laughs> not in a great position to. to I've, I've seen both penalty incidents um, sort of once, uh, and I would yeah echo Hunter's thoughts. It's just, it's just a bit, you know, frustrating really because that's exactly the kind of use of Sanchez that I think could work. You know, you you, you put him in for certain games. Um, where you feel that his skill set, you know, is is going to be valuable, but if he's making errors like the first goal, where he just completely misreads the the path of the ball and and lets Vardy get goal side of him, then you know, it's just too much of a liability. Um, I have to say, you know, Joe Roden ended up playing what all of three minutes under Mason, and um, I know we're going to come on to this kind of a little assessment of Mason, but I did think. His general kind of omission from from the teams was was one of the stranger calls that Mason made. Yeah, particularly given that at times it felt like he was 
probably the only the only sort of bright spark or, or, or potential way forward for the defence. Um, let's just quickly touch on in, in the ugly. That, like, I, I do want to discuss that, the way in which Vardy won that penalty. If Harry Kane had done that, I'd probably be overjoyed. Um, but it just felt a, it felt a little bit naff that, that VR didn't look at that and just go, well, obviously he's tried to buy one there. Equally at the same time, it was quite frustrating that Damson Sanchez just got outsmarted a bit. And it was just a little bit of intelligent play. And you're just thinking you could see it coming from 20 yards away. Like that was, that was 20 yards in the making. Just, I don't know, Jude, am I being a little bit overly critical there or? No, it- no, I don't think so. The, the sort of annoying thing was that I don't, Vardy wasn't like clean through. He got him behind, but he could have been shepherded out wide. And then, um, yeah, Vardy just sort of, it's, they were just locked and holding hands almost. Um, and Sanchez just wasn't quite smart enough to deal with it. Like on its awarding, I'm sort of like exactly the same, really. If we get it, well, like that smart play, if it goes against us, you're sort of like, oh, why can't VAR have a look at it, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's just, I mean, at this point in the season, it's just one you, you've got to wear, unfortunately, <laughs> and just be like, we've taken, we've, we've had a wrong, we've had a rough one there. And um, it's, it's, it's a tough one. But, I think he could have been just shepherded out wide and that it maybe they get a cut back or something like that, but it, it probably wouldn't have resulted in a disastrous penalty or anything like that, which Lurice yeah. didn't even die for. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not having any of that. I, I said, as he was going up to take, take it, I said, stay down the middle. And he oh, really? really thought the same thing because Vardy's got a, Vardy's got a pass of just banging it straight. He goes hard and low straight down the middle. It looks bad when the keeper stands there, but it is one choice. You go left, you go right, or you stay still. And and he stood still. Oh, I'm always fond of when the keeper like sort of waits but dives. Do you know what I mean? But, Try and make the reaction save just in case it just in the way case. Vardy it's... does it though is like hard. He doesn't he's not penenkering it. He drives yeah. it full thump. full power, yeah, down the middle. Um let's let's finish with well on, on this section with the with the beautiful one. There's some lovely images of Kane and Son and Delhi at the full-time whistle after Harry Kane wins Playmaker of the Year and the Golden Boot, which is just really outrageous. And I think if Spurs were in any sort of position moving towards the Champions League positions, he's comfortably challenging Diaz for the awards and, and whoever else is, is, is included in that shortlist. But um, maybe, just, maybe just kind of quite fitting for us that he wins it and depending on what happens, it's kind of like either the perfect way to go out or equally, it just shows us that we still, if we keep him, even if we are playing pretty poorly, Harry Kane's form doesn't get affected. Well, that's essentially what kept us in the game, wasn't it? Is it that even when we weren't putting in a particularly good performance, Harry Kane swivels and absolutely slams her. You know, it's a fairly difficult technique. I think the guy, I can't remember who was on commentary. They were saying there's not many players that just can just do that, and you just think, yeah, 100 percent as it as it was falling to him. I was like, who is it? Terracane is probably a girl. It goes through his legs. <laughs> it did go through his legs. Yeah, it's gone that. But he quick. hit it so hard, yeah, yeah, and into the floor. It's just perfect technique, and yeah, the scenes afterwards were lovely, and it, I, I was very happy for him to win those personal accolades. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he hasn't won Player of the Season. Um, but you know that's my personal opinion. Well, the award in... is the award is player of the season in a team that's played well, isn't it? It's not just player <laughs> of the season. So you have to have a like. There are no apparently Matt Letizia is just anything he ever won individually just doesn't no, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. You're no. a conference league, mate. Are they are they yeah. not are they not saying that's successful? 184 teams. Success. <laughs> no. Oh, Recognised. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> What about uh, just Harry in general? Where is everyone on him now? Because it's, I'll be honest, it, just from my point of view, this is so weird. Like it, it feels like, it, it feels like we could be either A, in for one of the most straightforward transfer sagas of all time, or we could be sat here in August doing that horrible dance where it drags on and on and on and on and on and and. and God knows what happens. What do you guys reckon? Well, if it, I mean, Dan's like... probably in the best position to answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> um... 
I mean, I, f- I feel like there are probably sort of three options for the club, broadly. Oh, okay. I didn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone as high as three. So who have you got? <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of what the club can do, I mean, I guess option one is to just do, you know, to do what Harry wants, which is to agree to sell him to a, another Premier League club for a massive fee. <laughs> but then that comes with enormous challenges because then, Effectively, I think the club would have to sell that decision to the fan base. They'd have to justify that decision to to keep supporters on side and stop kind of real open revolt against the ownership for making that call. So that's a really challenging one. And they'd have to spend the money well, basically perfectly, you know, yeah. expertly, to, to avoid taking a, a massive step backwards. And then, then there's the option of just saying, no, we're not going to sell you you've got a three-year contract. And then the challenge with that one, I suppose, is to, you've, you've then got to convince Kane to, to remain committed and, you know, sell a, a vision of the club's rebuild to him that he can at least half be on board with. Mm. And then I, I think the, the third option, as you say, you can only go overseas, which Kane doesn't want to do. Mm. And then the question is, do Paris Saint-Germain want him enough to deal with Levy? Does he want to go to PSG? Because I don't think Real Madrid or Barcelona have the money to to tempt Levy or the appetite to to get in that fight with him. So those are the three. I mean, the, the, I suppose that the fourth option is, say to Kane, you can go next summer. But it sounds, from what I'm hearing and what's been widely reported, Levy's already done that once. So I don't think that option is is still on the table to say, give us another year. Um, try and get us back in the Champions League. Um, so it's whatever choice that the club goes with, it has enormous challenges with it. And I really don't know how it's going to go. But I find it hard to imagine it's going to be, as you said there, Ben, like a really simple transfer. Because I think even if Spurs are minded to sell him, which it, which in many respects, you know, makes quite good business sense just on a purely financial level. Mm. Even if they're minded to do that, then it would be mad to, to kind of do it now anyway, because then every club you, you try and negotiate with the re- with for the rest of the summer knows you've got more than 100 million in the bank. Um, so, you know, an interesting clue might be if Spurs start doing what they did in the bail summer and, and just kind of buying players that, that with kind of surprising efficiency, which might suggest that Levy's preparing to bank a big sum at the end of the window, um, as he did, with bail um but i suspect you know it's not going to get done before the euros and it will it will drag out a bit and that's i mean i've read a million pieces now it feels like but that is what he's his camp are looking for right he's looking for a rather clean done before the euros uh deal if possible um and this is just not going to happen is it what, what have we got now we've got Three weeks. I think it's three weeks today or tomorrow. No, three weeks on Friday, right? Yeah, it's about that. Three weeks on Friday. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, unless City come in with a monster bid. I mean, selling that vision to the fans is nigh on impossible because we sold Carl Walker to City and they won. They can. They just went on to win everything and everyone was like, oh, that's that's crap doing that. So selling selling our best player by a country mile to our... Are one of our direct rivals. I don't think you're ever going to be able to sell the sell the fans on that. Although it is funny seeing the the narrative shift in a week. Harry Kane does one interview that doesn't absolutely, I don't know, sing the praises of the club, and fans are already like, "Well, he's gone, he's done, get rid of him." Never done anything for mm. me. <laughs> fickle, <laughs> fickle, fickle people. <laughs> Jude, the only reason why, from on my side, that I could see this being simple is because I can only see there being one realistic target for him in the Prem. And so it kind of feels to me that if Spurs say this is the value and Man City meet it, then there is potential there for a a fairly straightforward kind of uh, solution. But history would suggest that Man City aren't the sort of club that will put up vast sums of money like that. Yeah, I mean, Kane has, has banged the trophy um, for for a while now, hasn't he? And City is sort of that that banking club that is, can say we've won the league X amount of times in the last six seven years. Um, we're the club to sort of help you reach new heights. So, 
Yeah, but th- their record signing is what, like 64 mil, which was for Diaz, I think. And like they'd have to more than double that. And what they, they usually do is they just keep refreshing the squad, don't they? And they're, they're a mark. Like you talk about a good scouting and recruitment team, theirs is outrageous. Um, and they just keep refreshing that squad. And they've got like two, three players for each position. And that's sort of why they're in the position they are now. And, you know, with players like Fernandinho sort of winding down, and there might be other positions that they might want to go for. But if they did stick, 150 mil up there. So, I mean, that's going to be a tempting one, especially in the current climate. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing is, you, you mentioned there, right, the, the idea of banging this drum of trophies. I can't see... I mean, it, I, I'd assume that we'd all write Liverpool out of this, right? Liverpool are not in a position to do something like this, so they're taking mm-hmm. one side. It only leaves United and Chelsea. It would, it, Considering that we're saying you'd have to sell the fans in, Dan, on any potential sign like any potential transfer you surely you write off Chelsea as well yeah I can't see it being Chelsea uh, I think you're right in saying that like as I said any decision to sell Kane is going to have to be then sold to the Spurs fans and selling selling him to Chelsea if that makes sense mm. is, is, is nigh on impossible it's just not going to happen so I really struggle to see how um yeah, how that deal gets done, and and I think also like, you know, we we've got to accept, you know, this is the age old thing about players, you know, not being fans and they don't feel the same way. But part of me likes to think that Kane, you know, given his given his connection with Spurs, part of me likes to think that Kane isn't, you know, desperate to go to Chelsea. You know, I, I think it's, it's different to kind of Luka Modric. Uh, I may be wrong. Um, I haven't heard that, but. You know, he, he he did. You know, he is a Spurs fan. He has come through the ranks of the club, and he, you know, he does still, still, um, you know, have a connection with fans. So I can't really see that happening. I think it's going to be Manchester. I mean, for what it's worth, City make you know is the the obvious club to go to because, as you say, that that kind of guarantees them trophies. But you know, part of me thinks like if you if he if he's kind of interested in glory and, and a bit more meaning and substance and soul then you know going to be man united's number nine and kind of helping knock city off their perch is a is a much better challenge and a, a much better move and a much more exciting move because what else can you do with city they're probably going to win the champions league this year and then you're just going to a team that's just kind of conquered everything you, there's not really much else to do there but i think you know from a spurs fan perspective um no one cares about city do they i mean no no one no one really knows any City fans. No, no one really thinks they're a particularly real club. Um, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we're going to build a statue of David Silver, and everyone's like, nah, you're, you're not fooling anyone. You're, you're not a real club. Um, so, um, you know what I mean, though? Like, they, they might as well build a statue of like John Macken or someone. It would mean more, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, that, um, that's that's why I'm happy. If if Kane leaves, that City would be my choice because I'm like. Just go and win yeah. vacuous trophies. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's cheating. <laughs> it's soulless. It's yeah. But I mean, that, what Dan said before, I think, is the real crux of this issue: is if we sell him for a hundred and whatever million, every club in world football knows we have a hundred and whatever million, and we aren't going to get a bargain for anyone. We're going to spend 45 million on Danny Ings, who's out of contract next summer. <laughs> the, the other thing is that you, you actually think we've got a few holes or like positions that you're thinking, oh God, we need to fix that. And to fix any hole with an elite player is now 50 million pounds plus. Minimum, that. Yeah. And so two players and your money's gone. <laughs> like two, two, So where, where do you prioritise? Would you say, okay, right, we need to start at the back. We need to fix up at the back and, and, and book, try and become watertight. And then suddenly you're going, oh my gosh, we're back to playing Son centre forward and praying that he doesn't have peaks and troughs like usual and, and, and instead manage to go a 38-game season of just being quality. I think, yeah. I mean, as, as, I, as I said before, like on, on a kind of purely business level, like selling a play is going to be 28 in July, I think, and has you know had injuries in the past. You know, it does kind of make sense. And I think it was uh, Migo Delaney from The Independent tweeted that, 
you know, Spurs could go out and, and buy, you know, three or four of the most exciting kind of 18 to 22-year-olds in, in the world with the Kane money. Um, and look, I don't think Spurs should sell Kane. I don't think they're, you know, he, I think he's irreplaceable. I really do. But if it has to happen, I don't think the club should be taking a, a short-term view of the rebuild, of, of spending the money. Because almost with Kane gone, I mean, Spurs don't need to immediately you know, get, feel like they need to get back to the very top next year. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen if Kane no. goes. There's just too much to do. So you might as well, if, if it has to happen, you might as well say, OK, we'll take a long-term view here. You know, we've got good players in the academy. We've got Skip and Sessignon and people like that coming back to the squad. Let's try and do what Pochettino did and build something over three or four years and, and say, you know, in three or four years' time, we, we want to be getting close to, to City and Liverpool. And the only way to do that is to to, to look ahead and, and buy young players. So if, if Kane was to go, then I wouldn't want... I don't think the club should be kind of immediately fretting about making the first team as good as, you know, amazing next season and challenging. So I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think it has to be a kind of considered patient Slow view. Burn. Yeah. Well, that's the sound of the new manager, basically, isn't it? That is mm. the, that's the noises they're making. Is it's going to be someone who builds young talent, is more progressive in their style of football, and you don't get that over once it that those those managers don't come in and it just happens like that. Like um, we should we should be. I mean, we're going to have to be patient. I, th- I agree with Dan. If he does go, I think it's a matter of trying to build for the future rather than trying to replace like for like because it's just not possible and you'll end up paying through the nose for a player who's not Kane um, mm. and we should just be looking at all of Lille's squad and trying to steal as many of them as we can because they apparently <laughs> are financially buggered go and get Yilmaz who's like 35 and <laughs> look the man knows where the net is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah just on the, the manager front um, before we touch on Ryan Mason's games in charge we seem to be in a really interesting position right now in that I, I can't put, point at any one of the candidates and say, yes, definitely, 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 it, all roads lead here, it must be that man. Whereas I feel like in the past, we've either acted very quickly and very decisively, or there's been a really clear kind of next step. So, I mean, what do people think now? I mean, has anyone heard anything or seen anything as to, as to who it looks like it might be? I told you, it's like a game of guess who. It's like, this manager is young and likes progressive football. This manager has a big contract that might be expensive to buy out of. This manager has to... <laughs> so, who is it? Who is it? The, the, the is thing he that... a smoker? <laughs> <laughs> the tweet that Alistair Gold put out yesterday. Does he have a portrait of himself on his living room wall? In is, is he wearing a wig? Yeah, exactly. Um, the tweet that Alistair Gold put out yesterday saying that, that it would push the financial restraints of the club suggests that it's someone who's already in quite a big contract or someone like Ten Hag who's just signed quite a big new contract that they have to buy out or Potter or someone like that who's got a I think he's got four years left on his contract. So that's, I mean, you, we are narrowing it down, but just on sort of <laughs> smoke and mirrors, sort of Chinese whispers, like I've heard that it's going to be this manager and this manager's in the, and I think the three that were left at the end of all of, all of that were Ten Hag, uh, Martinez, who I would be surprised if it was Martinez and Potter. And... Yeah, as you said, there's no clear one, is there? There's no obvious one. No. There. I mean, they're quite obviously big fans of Brendan Rodgers as well. But like every time that story pops up, it's like Brendan just says, I'm really happy here. I'm going to stay here 200%. And you know what? Maybe after Sunday's game, it probably wouldn't be the best idea. (laughs) Just because they threw away that top four spot so dramatically. He's going to have to... He's going to have to get a Leicester City FC tattoo, isn't he, to make this go away. He's going to have to do something drastic to stop people talking like this. Um, okay, to finish up, so Ryan Mason's time in charge of Spurs. I suppose, Dan, you, you, you firstly need to caveat any kind of um, assessment with the fact that this has been obviously an unprecedented season, but he's had to deal with some of the most left-field things that any manager 
in the history of the Premier League would ever. Yeah, yeah. There's jumping in at the deep end, and then there's there's, there's kind of this, isn't there? Um, so yeah, I was going to write a piece on on Mason today actually, but I think I've run out of time because um, I'm about to go on holiday, so I don't think it's going to happen. But I think it's it's been an interesting kind of mini tenure really, and I mean the first thing to say is that I think he's conducted himself very well publicly. Um, he really impressed everyone in his first couple of press conferences. It was really easy to forget that he's 29. He was replacing Mourinho, which is obviously an incredibly difficult act to follow. You know, No matter what kind of job Mourinho's done, it's still Mourinho. So th- that was challenging. And, and he obviously came in just before a, a massive cup final um, in the midst of the Super League fiasco with a European place on the line. And then he had the Kane thing to deal with. So it's been like a unbelievable kind of five-week crash course in management. And he's dealt with it pretty well, I think. Um, having said that, I think it grew frustrating, his kind of reluctance or inability to to comment on basically anything or look far ahead. And, and while I totally understood why he did that for most things, you know, it, it actually got to the point where, you know, from from our point of view from doing my job he wasn't commenting on even quite basic questions for instance about his selections which did get quite frustrating um and and you know in lieu of any kind of explanation which which he wasn't really giving you have to say that some of his selection decisions and tactical setups as well looked like errors of judgment i mean Roden, we've already mentioned and Dombele, that there's there's always a bit of a problem with attitude and, and fitness. And it, I think it takes all new managers a while to kind of understand how to work with him, as obviously it did with Jose. But but not playing him, I thought, was, was odd as well, particularly in the Leeds game and the Villa game, when there was a real lack of control in midfield uh, and City, obviously. Um, and, and I think he, you know, he's inexperienced told. But I think, you know, on the whole, you can't say, you know, anything other than that he you know, did a, did a decent job in, in tough circumstances. And I think it would be kind of quite interesting to, um, you know, hear from him and, and see what he could do in, in a more secure position. Because he was obviously in, you know, a position where he, he couldn't rock the boat at all. Um, and his hands were, were, were pretty tied and he was pretty limited in what he could do and say. So, yeah, I think I think he's done all right. Um, but, you know, it, I... I I think he'll be back in in more comfortable circumstances in the future. It was kind of so. Yeah, go on, Jude. Tell me. I was just going to say he sort of had the perfect out from all that Super League chat when like so many fans were condemning managers for for what they were saying, um, or like whether they were backing it, or like Zidane saying like, "Oh, it's the president, it's Real Madrid president's decision." Um, Mason could just say, "Yeah, it's just been hectic here, so <laughs> so I don't have to worry about any of that." Um, but yeah, team selections were always a bit off. And then he was just a little inactive in making the subs, especially in sort of the Villa game. And whenever games are sort of drifting away and um, they needed a little a little spark somewhere, it just didn't seem to come quick enough. But, you know, they they, they smashed up the, the cannon fodder, really. And uh, it was nice to see Delhi back. I think Delhi has, has been almost overused since being brought back because... I know he, he, you've got to build up that match fitness as well, but it was good that he's got a, a decent chunk of game since Mason came in. There was a couple of flashbacks, Hunter, wasn't there? Uh, reminders of, of things from the Poch era that we loved and things from the Poch era that we didn't enjoy so much. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, the the pressing the first couple of games back was a real... It was a joy to watch, but what what we really quickly saw was that this team doesn't have the fitness to do that. They haven't been set up with the fitness to do that all season. So after a couple of games, they looked tired. Um, After 60 minutes, they tend to look tired. And then on the reverse of that, when they got pressed, they didn't have the, the mental or the physical fitness to... To, to handle it and that's what you saw against Villa against Leeds against City who are the the best at it that they they really struggled and that's just tactical naivety from from Mason and at the same time it's not really his squad and it's not really his his uh how he would have set them up uh in terms of fitness throughout the season so I think he's done really well the Spurs fan base are fairly 
aggravated at the moment. <laughs> this is a clean cut that everyone needed from this season. And he ended it on a high, which whatever whatever way you look at it, fans will go away from this season with a with a win against Leicester. That's a that's a something to be proud of and to sort of hang your hat on and say, look, we can still beat a top four team and Leicester were a top four team for how it was like 190 days or 200 days or something. 240 days or something mad like that. <laughs> I've got to say, actually, like, I think Mason and a lot of the players deserve a lot of credit for the Leicester game because I you know, don't mind saying that kind of before kickoff and certainly in the days after the Villa game, I was really fearful of quite a grim result for Spurs. You know, it yeah. looked like that a lot of players had checked out against Villa and the atmosphere was obviously pretty bad and there was a, a kind of quite, quite shambolic after-match um, after arrangements for that game. And, the, you know, everything felt like it was kind of crumbling and, and everyone just wanted the season to end. So to go to a team that had fans back and were chasing Champions League football and, and are a decent side um, and pull off, you know, a, a big win and, and, and a decent performance as well. I think Mason deserves credit for, for, yeah, kind of holding it all together and kind of dragging Spurs over the line there. And, you know, it's it's a mixed legacy that him and Mourinho have left with the Conference League. I mean, it could be quite fun. I just don't know what to think of that. Are you I'm sort of gearing up for trips to Albania and Malta and Cyprus next year. We've got to do one together. We yeah. absolutely do have to do one together where we all go. I'm happy to take a couple of days off and go to somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely like going to North Macedonia. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, 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 there's going to be so like little jeopardy that I'm kind of wondering exactly. if I'll actually be sent by. by work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like Dan, we 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 think we'll do all right against the eighth best team in Macedonia. So yeah, we'll, that's uh, it. Like, <laughs> um, imagine the kind of lack of tension there is in your in your average Europa League group stage game. I saw- and then <laughs> imagine a Thursday night conference league. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw one of the Arsenal journals say this is a really good opportunity for us. And obviously the narrative switched very quickly after they realised they weren't going to get into it. But I saw them <laughs> saying it's a very good opportunity for us because we've got a lot of really young, talented players. And all I thought was Spurs have got quite a few young mm. players who aren't getting any game time. And you've got players like, as you said, like Sessegnon coming back, Jack Clark coming back from his fairly unsuccessful loan oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and and then you know all those all those youngsters we heard about at the beginning of the season that we didn't really get to see and and Dane Scarlett is apparently a fantastic footballer you know I just thought it is what it is but play the kids in it and if we go out we go out and and we don't take many of the first team players and th- and that's just the way it is and that's how we and that's how we play it and we bring those on and we give those kids a European experience that they wouldn't other otherwise uh, get to get to I, I take totally, on. I totally agree. I think the the problem is it's just more that the the new manager, you know, after the weekend game, has to spend energy, time, focus, a couple of days preparing for Thursday's game, and can't start thinking about the next weekend game till he, you know, till he's back um, from from wherever, or, or you know, until the Friday morning at the training ground. So it it just becomes a. a a bit of a distraction, but I totally agree. It's, mm. It actually could be a good opportunity to, you know, really get people like Alfie Devine, mm. Skip, Sessignon, Scarlett, etc., just just playing a lot of football um, and you know getting injured first team players kind of back to fitness, that kind of stuff. But um, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be. We'll have to just make the best of it, and, and hopefully, it'd be quite fun. I'd hope that Ryan Mason stays with Spurs. He may not want to. He may want to go on and try and get a manager's role somewhere now, who knows? But I'd hope that he goes back, takes takes the under-23 job, and then he can help navigate the the conference league. That's what I'd really like to see. Because mm-hmm. I think I think he does get it. And clearly he understands the sort of uh, the DNA. I am putting it in inverted brackets. because, But he understands what the club's about. And all the players have said his training sessions are very intense and interesting. And, and clearly he does have a style of football that he wants to play. So I'd say if we if he can, if we can... Keep him at the club, keep him involved in the first team and bring him through under 23s and, and hopefully we'll see more of him in the future. Has anyone, just to finish up really quickly, has anyone seen anything about the finances of the Europa Conference League? Well, in terms of how much how much we're we're gonna be earning from it, I've I've seen little to nothing on it 
to be honest. You can only assume it's a good thing that we're in it. And I know <laughs> I know Arsenal fans, again, the, the narrative shifted so quickly yesterday from ha ha ha, St. Totteringham's Day, we've got Europe and you haven't to, oh, it's actually really good that we're not in it. Like it's a season for us just to like completely rebuild and, you know, take a take a step back and have a, have a think. And it's like, Arsenal, do you, you do know your finances are, are a complete mess right you need european football to to bring people in but i can only assume that it's it's good for spurs to be in it better to be in it than to be out of it and i think sometimes we can get a bit snobby about these these tournaments and you know i I, you know you always back them to have a good a good run in the europa league and it never happens does it some madness crops up like delhi gets himself sent off against ghent yeah i think it was ghent or we go and lose and 3 0, like, or Jose Mourinho bottles it against, uh, yeah, his ass just falls out. Yeah, so there's always there's always some sort of cataclysmic event in, in Europe for Spurs, and I, I doubt next season will be any different, really. Well, we got that to look forward to. <laughs> How can we lose in the Europa Conference League? That's that's the documentary that we go out and make. Life finds a way. Um, well, look, I tell you what, next week, let, we were going to look into the squad in a little bit more depth today, but I think we can do that next week. We'll try and keep ticking over where we can. Um, Dan, have a fabulous time away. Thoroughly well earned. Enjoy it, mate. Jude, look forward to seeing you in London some point soon as something that's not Spurs related now it's the end of the season. So catch you soon. <laughs> yeah. And Hunter, it's I pray that the, the, the weather changes for you and we get some sun finally. Yeah, well, that's not... That's not Here's right. hoping. Yeah. <laughs> um, have a great week, everyone. And thanks so much for listening. If you would uh, be so kind as to leave us a rating, review, and to subscribe if you haven't already, we very much appreciate it. Check out all the guys on social, and we'll see you all next time. What a feeling, what a night. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.